Hello everyone, welcome back to, or I guess I, not welcome back, but welcome to the first Time Limited, Limited, or, yeah, Time Limited, Limited. Uh, I'm joined by... Almost there. Almost there. I'm joined by Will. Uh, Hello. We also do Hello. the set, uh, the only other podcast that's gone live. Actually, no, by this time, multiple will be live, but... Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, standard sit down every Saturday, you'll see the two of us as well. But today is the start of something new and something hopefully that's going to be super amazing and fun. All right. So uh, with that, welcome to Time Limit Limited. What this is is essentially a debate um, between myself and Lucas about a number of limited ideas, concepts. And with War of the Spark being fully spoiled, we're just going to argue about War of the Spark because you know what? Why not? Um so how this is going to work is Lucas and I have both, we've discussed 10 topics that we're going to argue about, and we're going to take four minutes to just argue about them. Uh, the first two minutes will be individually, so Lucas will say his stance on something, and then I will say my stance on something, and then we'll take two minutes to just have an open debate and where we scream and yell at each other. I'd also like to note Lucas was on his high school debate team. Well, I had better things to do with my life, so I'm probably going to lose all 10 of these, but you know what? We'll go, for, we'll go with the flow from here. But I'll go with that you have studied War of the Spark more and also that it'll get better over time, as A with lot. everything. <laughs> Agreed. Um, okay, so with that, let's get right into it. Um, the first thing we're going to be arguing about is the best card in the set. Now, we're both going to be taking one minute to introduce our stances. I'll be opening. Lucas will be following. And we'll go from there. Um, each individual will get one minute to introduce their argument. And then the other... So, for example, I will start. I'm going to make my argument for the best card in the set. I'm going to get one minute to just go ham, say what I want. Lucas can't interrupt me. Then Lucas is going to get one minute to say what he thinks the best card in the set from a limited standpoint is. And then he will record from there. Um, so with that, I have the timer to begin. Lucas, um, yeah, so here we go. Best card in the set, argument in three, two, one. My argument is for D-Spark. Now, D-Spark is a Orzov card that casts for white and a black that says exile, target permanent with CMC four or greater. Now, four greater may not sound like that much, um, but or may not sound like it's going to hit that much. But in a set that's based around planeswalkers, this is going to hit most of the most of the planeswalkers. Now, anyone familiar with limited has an understanding of bread. Now, bread is bombs, removals, attackers, evasion, defender, or duds. Um, now. D-Spark is going to deal with just about every bomb in the set. It's a really good card, and it just gets rid of them permanently. So with that, I think Orzob is a really good color combination, and I think D-Spark is going to be one of the cards that you're going to pick, pack one, pick one most frequently. All right, that's my time. Lucas? All right, I will be timing myself, but before I begin, I want to let you know that you spelled bread wrong. It's B-R-E-A-D, not B-R-A-E-D. Um, Bombs, attackers. <laughs> there you go. There we go. I'll give you a second chance of that. I one. logged into my phone and saw I had 20 seconds left, and I was like, "Crap." 
All right. And right, then Lucas. best card in this set. All right. Mine's the same as the others. Oh, another one in the set. All right. I will time myself and I will begin in three, two, one. So my best card in the set is a Planeswalker, admittedly, but it's an uncommon Planeswalker. And I think for limited and also as far as cyborg standard, but that's a different story, is Teo the Shield Mage. Teo is a white Planeswalker. He's a two mana one white one and then two col two colorless mana he starts with five loyalty which is pretty high for three and his minus three is create a zero three white wall with creature with creature token with defender now what's really good about him is that he has hex he has a static ability that is you have hexproof which means you can't be the target of spells or abilities uh that's amazing especially in limited standard where uh a lot of removal is targeted at you uh as well as the issue with D-Spark, for me at least, is that it's four or greater, which there are a lot of things it misses. It misses Gideon Blackblade, it misses Teo, it misses most of the uncommon Planeswalkers, and therefore I don't think it's... I think Teo is way better in like almost every regard. That's my time. All right, you ready to take two minutes to just yell at each other? <sighs> this is the first time we're going to be doing this, and not the last by any means, so let's see how it goes. I'm ready when you are. All right, two minutes goes now. So... My problem with your argument here is D-Spark does, you said D-Spark doesn't deal with Tail. Tail is one card. Most of the Planeswalkers in this set are over four mana, and most of the bombs are two. Ah, but you so see, 90% just... of the uncommon Planeswalkers, actually, I think all the uncommon, uncommon Planeswalkers are all below, or three, are all three mana, and or two. Arlen. I think there's, okay, Arlen may be, may be the exception. But there are so many three-drop Planeswalkers that... Jaya... The Wanderer. There are so many three-drop Planeswalkers that it's not going to matter, though, because you're not going to hit the the ones that are going to be doing... Most of the good ones are three-mana Planeswalkers with the static ability. That's the really important part. And you also miss Gideon, Aya. which is a big, big, big thing. Grath. How often are you going to see Gideon? He's a mythic Planeswalker. Granted, when you see him, it's going to be trouble, but that's the same with just about every other removal spell. You're not going to... Like, Gideon's not easy to deal with. That's the problem with him. That's why he's a mythic level card. He's just a very good card that's going to be very hard to deal with. Not a ton of removal is going to deal with it. But I think that it, most bombs in the set, like if you look at all the gods, they're all over four mana, or they're four mana at least. Most of the dual colored planeswalkers are four mana. Yes, it's but just... if you if you if you think about limited in general, most of the things that kill you are not the big bombs. It's them getting in with a bunch of like smaller spells that are going to do a lot. And I have another card coming up later that's going to be another reason of that. Well, but yes, but I think but you're going to have to deal with the big bombs in some way because when they drop a big bomb, that's when the pro that's when you kind of realize how bad the problems are. Especially in a format that's going to be as slow as this. But I know we differ in opinions on that one too. I, this format's gonna, yeah. I think that there's Good. just so much better removal throughout the set, as well as just in general that limited has seen better, and there is better in the set. All right. So with that, let us know who you think won that debate in the comments below. Let us know your opinions in the comments below. Now. The next card we're going to be arguing is the best uncommon planeswalker. Now, Lucas has already stated his opinion on this. But, uh, Lucas, I'll give you another minute to kind of go on about Teo. All right, I'll start my minute now because I don't know if I'm going to need a full minute. Uh, like I said, Teo gives you hexproof, which in limited is a big deal. 
Uh, it doesn't get around a lot of removal, uh, especially in this set, I guess. But for the, what it does hit, it it makes a big it makes a big deal. Um, it gets around Lily's uh, triumph because you can't be targeted by the. I guess you does it get around Lily's triumph? Nope, it's each opponent. It doesn't get around Lily's triumph, but it gets around the the targeter removal. Um, that says, oh, target player sacrifices creature, or target player, um, which there's a lot of in this set, uh, to be fair, with Planeswalker abilities as well as cards themselves. Uh, for three mana, coming in at five loyalty, um, he's going to draw attention, and it's just going to draw uh, aggro towards Teo, which is, at five loyalty, is a great starting cost, and he creates th defenders that are zero threes, which, for three mana, is not that bad. That's my time. All right. So we'll go ahead and start my minute right now. I am going to go ahead and argue that Kaya is the best Planeswalker in the set. Now, the reason I'm arguing this is in a set with so much, so many Planeswalkers, the format's really going to be slowed down. Um, and I think Kaya just kind of gets around so much in the format. There is a lot of hexproof in this format, as Lucas mentioned. You can give your your own yourself hexproof, and Kaya just beats Teo in that front. But there's also quite a few green creatures, green beefy creatures that have hexproof, and Kaya can also just go ahead and minus three and deal with them. Um, she may be six mana, but it's a real. This format's going to be pretty slow with uh, how with how many walkers there are, how you know how many static abilities affect the board. So I really just think that Kaya is the best as Planeswalker in this format. She also starts with seven loyalty, meaning they're not going to be able to deal with her before you minus three or most likely, unless you're very far behind. But at that point, most of these Planeswalkers aren't going to pull you back from anything. So, and that's my time. All right. So, two minutes. Two minutes. Um, three, two, one, go. My I'm issue with Kaya. Ahead. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this one. Kaya is okay. six mana. Three of it, mm -hmm. sure, is, is uh, hybrid mana. But it's it's six mana for a seven drop, or a seven loyalty, and it doesn't hit Planeswalkers. That's the biggest thing about Kaya. It does not hit Planeswalkers. You said it yourself. Well, yeah, but you can... Super saturated with Planeswalkers of, this set, especially on commons. You get rid of one of their blockers and then can destroy Planeswalkers on the swing in. Now, the big problem with Teo is there aren't a ton of cards in this set that say target it opponent. Most of them say each opponent deal with some sort of problem that way so i think that also teo's minus three ability not super super relevant um it's gonna get a blocker sure but three power a lot of creatures in this set have three power and we'll be able to get around it just fine and if not you know it's just one creature and you're only making two of them yeah, but I mean, a lot of the time, this, these planeswalkers, especially at the uncommon level, aren't about their other abilities. Uh, whereas Kyra relies on hers, I guess. But uh, they aren't about their other abilities; they're about the static ability. And I still think the hexproof that it gives is going to be detriment detrimental in some in a lot of games that Teo has picked up. There aren't many other places I want to put that three drop spot, and he curves perfectly into most things. Um, like in this set, there's a lot of two drops. There's a lot of one drops. Uh, the only other really, really good three drop drops. Removal. There's a, like I'd rather run a three drop removal spell than run Teo, to be honest with you. Um, just because there are a lot of three drop removal spells that deal with a lot of things. 
Now, granted, it gets around a lot of red removal, but outside of red, there's not a ton of target opponent. There's one in white, and that's all I know. So that's all I see here. Going back to Kaya, my issue with Kaya is still that her lack of uh, flexibility with hitting only creatures. And time. <laughs> I got in my last. Flipping it with three seconds to go might not be the best move. <laughs> Fair. Um, okay, so oh god, I, now this we're going to be yeah, um, I know <laughs> you didn't confirm that this was your stance on it, but you can go ahead and type it into the spreadsheet and change it if you want. Um, that's just what you gave me. You told me that might change. So, um, but lucky for you, you have a whole minute to go ahead and change that. So I'm going to go ahead and start my argument here in three, two. Well, we're arguing about what the best guild in the... Basically the best color combination, but we're ignoring three colors. We're going with just the guilds, considering we're still in Ravnica. And all, all ten guilds got cards. Um, I personally do think this is going to be a set of three color combinations, but, you know, uh, that's my opinion. Not, you know, not everyone's. So, let's get into it. I am arguing that the best guild is Orzov, and that's because of Orzov's two signpost uncommons. D-Spark, I've already made a point for that. And Cruel Celebrant. Cruel Celebrant is a card that reads, whenever Cruel Celebrant or another creature or planeswalker you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. The last time we saw a card like this in Limited was Zulaport Cutthroat. And Zulaport Cutthroat was one of the best uncommons that you could draft in Battle for Zendikar uh, Limited. And this is a set about bashing in. You know, you're going to want to bash in and kill planeswalkers. You're going to want to bash in and kill opponents obviously so cruel celebrant you can kind of just leave it back and then they have to worry about double more math um another example of this was a four mana card that was poison tip archer back in m19 poison tip archer just cost two more mana more but it was also an incredible card made combat very difficult for your opponent all right lucas i'm sticking with it I'm sticking with it. Okay. This is this is a tough call for me. I'm just going to say that going into it. This is a very tough call for me, but I do disagree with you. Ready? Yep. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so I'm arguing for Demir, and there's a couple cards that really draw drive me in this direction. One of them is Tyrant Scorn, which is, in my opinion, better because it hits a lot more of the things we're going to see con consistently throughout the set and throughout every... Uh, uh, every God damn it, every draft. So, Tyrant Scorn uh, destroys target creature with convert when I cost 3 or less, or returns target creature to its owner's hand, meaning it has way more flexibility than uh, D-Spark. As far as it can even hit the things that it doesn't destroy, it can just return them to your hand, which can be very important, especially in a limited format where everything you draw is basically something you want to play. We also have Enter the God Eternals, which deals 4 damage to target creature and you gain life equal to the damage dealt this way. And then... Uh, it has Mill and then a Mass 4. I know we're going to be talking about a Mass in a little bit here, but... Um, in a limited, in, in a limited setting, a mask can be, uh, good in smaller amounts as long as it's spread out and several cards with like Gleaming Overseer when it enters the battlefield of mass one and it gives them a Hexproof and Menace. That's my minute. Ooh, I started the timer again. Um, okay. So with that, ready for open debate? I am. Three, two, one, go. So the big problem for me with Orza or, uh, with, <laughs> with Demir is I feel like you're relying on a lot of the rares. Um, none of the, neither of the uncommons really super impress me. Um, Tyrant Scorn, 
is definitely the better of the two. But I mean, I agree on both, that point. They both kind of seem dirtily, and in a format where everything's going to be so slow, um, with the walkers, I think it's just. I don't think it's a super viable strategy. You know, one issue with us arguing these two guilds is that there's a lot of good, especially for limited black cards, and I, I can't use these to my advantage because of that. However, I think that there are a lot more black cards that work well with the blue commons and uncommons. Uh, with the proliferate being in the format, there's the uh, black card that, or the blue black uh, card that taps and removes a counter and draws a card. That's really great. Um, and there's a lot more compatibility there than there is in Orzov. I also think Orzov is a bit slower than it wants to be, um, which you're going to argue that the format's slow in general, but I think it's a bit slower than it wants to be in comparison to Demir and... Well, what's the slowest... Uh, the slowest color is Azorius. blue, historically. Like, there... Yes. And there isn't, any, there isn't a blue card here that makes me think, oh, blue's going to be faster than normal. Blue is historically the slowest, like, one of the slower colors, and there's not a card in blue that makes me want to play slow. Like, there's not a... There's not something that makes me think, oh, I'm going to generate value turn after turn. And My only on thing is I'm going to say a mass and the fact that black can use a mass to such a great degree. Um, proliferate being, giving you access to blue uh, or blue giving you access to proliferate as well as mass, a mass. I know you can get the same thing as Azorius. Azorius was my second choice. Um, and, you know, I, I think Azorius and Demir can technically go hand in hand. But Demir just gives you so much more access and flexibility when you're drafting. Oh, righty. Um, you ready for the next argument? I guess so. So the next... All right, oh, so and also, on all, all of these guys, uh, first off, don't forget to subscribe, follow, leave a like on whatever format you're listening on. Uh, Spotify, leave us a follow. Himalaya, leave us a follow. YouTube, subscribe, like us. Um, it really helps us out. helps us grow and get better equipment to record this as well as... Um, Really motivates us to keep doing this. All right, next we thing we're going to talk about. So, we're getting this one's. We're going on the same standpoint here. Um, In hindsight, we probably should have reversed these. We probably should have, but now we're going to go argue best color. Um, so Lucas is going to open us up here, and he's kind of already made his statement about this, but uh, we'll let him go a little deeper into it. So, ready? Three, two, one, go. So my argument is black is the best color, and I wholeheartedly believe this as far as limited is concerned. There's so many good one-drops in black. Um, we have Banehound. We have, uh, what was the other one I was talking about? Oh, Dread, Dread Malkin, uh, Kaya's Ghost Form. There's just so many good cards that I think I don't totally remembered what one of the cards I was going to talk about earlier and I never actually talked about was. It was Kaya's Ghost Form. Because Kaya's Ghost Form is amazing. Um, the reason I think this card is so amazing is because it's common, it's one drop, it's an enchantment that is... Uh, I forgot what the other card was called. It was in a, uh, an earlier set. But it returns the cards to the... Uh, an, either a cre any permanent to the, uh, when it dies. Style. Yeah, yeah. It returns it back into play. But also it includes when it's exiled, which I think is very, very important, especially in this set where there's so much exiling. But it returns the exiled cards. We also have Liliana's Triumph, Price of Betrayal, Soren's Thirst. There's just so... Spark Harvest. There's so many good cards in black that I feel like it's hard to argue that... Um, especially with the Creature Heavy and Planeswalker Heavy set, that it's not going to be the best. That's right. my time. That is your time. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say red. Now, 
I think red isn't the most flashy. I definitely would say black is the most flashy of the colors. It's the car it's the cards that are going to jump out of the pack to you. But I really think red is the best color. And the reason for that is there's so much removal in red and as I've gone over bread, R stands for removal. You got to have it in in just about any format. Um I also think that it has some creatures that can ki that can really push you over the top. It obviously has the best combat tricks, as red tends to do. Um, and I'd also argue that I think Tybalt is an underrated Planeswalker. <laughs> going to put that out there, especially in a limited format. Not going to play it in standard, but I would. I do like Tybalt and, and Jaya. I like both of them in a uh, in a limited format. Um, and some of the rares can just kind of, if you can get red rares, you're going to be running away with games just because they are so much more powerful than most other colors. All right, you let me start this one off, especially with how you ended that one. Um, I'm ready if you are. Three, two, one, go. All right. So first off, if we're including rares, might I just add um, Davril? Might I just... Oh, he's actually uncommon. Never mind. Um, Bolas' Citadel is pretty great, as well as um, uh, Final Eternity. There's just a lot of good black cards in here still. And my issue with red... Um, I will give you that Tabal is going to be relevant only because of the life gain, and we've seen how relevant that is, or and can be unlimited. Um, in standard for that matter. But your big things that you're going to be wanting to drop are the rares, which, like, Ilrag, Krango, the Planeswalkers, or Chandra, I guess, for that matter. Jai is okay. Look, I've stated that I think this is going to be a really slow format. I think if you can get under it, which red gives you the power to do, something I didn't mention, Samet, you can play her in a mono-red deck. You don't have to, but you can play her in a mono-red deck. Gives all your creatures haste, allows you to push it over. I definitely think, like, you can't argue that having good rares in a, in a limited pool, especially a draft, is going to be, gives you a huge advantage over your opponents. Now, is your whole deck uh, going to be rares? Hopefully, but not, but definitely not. If we're going into Planeswalkers that you can play in the monocolors, you have three, I have three, mine are significantly better. Angrath gives them all menace and amasses on the minus, which uh, we've already gone over. I, I, I think amass and small amounts can be good. Um, Ashiok, Dream Renderer. Vraska, you do have access to Angrath. I forget about that. Um, but then I, I have Vraska. Better than Nahiri, and that's where I think this argument comes down to. I think Nahiri doesn't have a super relevant ability, and Ashiok doesn't have a super relevant ability. Yeah. I also think I also think red is more flexible. I like the red sign, the red, mm. red black signpost uncommon. I like the red, red white signpost uncommon. I, if I you have not... red in your deck, you're mostly going to be using it for that aggression, the the aggression with, but on a slower scale than normal, which I think is going to be its downfall. And in a format with so many planeswalkers, I think red, I think being able to go super fast is going to be super relevant. You just. Screwed up one of your later arguments, but I'm gonna we're gonna get that to, to that in just a sec. Uh, I saw that. I I know what you're talking about, and I don't think I did. Okay, we'll we'll talk about it in a second. All These right, next so are gonna be I interesting because Nancy now. I just get to be uh I just get to talk about how things are bad. This right next now. one's gonna be tough for me as well. I the one after is gonna be tough for me. So <laughs> it's gonna be two arguments that uh I don't think either of us are looking forward to making. But uh let's do it. So now we're going to be talking about the two, the two like poster child mechanics. That is that them being a mass and proliferate. We'll start off with a mass, and I'm going to open us up here. Now I don't think a mass is that good. Um, a mass is basically putting all of your power into one creature. Um, 
if you you can't really build around a mass and limited really cares about being able to build around like being able to build around certain mechanics explore with wild growth walker back in ixalan was huge the energy mechanic yes it was it's going to be remembered for its uh standard playability but a mass also just built around or uh, not a mass energy allowed you to play a number of different creatures and get value out of all of them i don't see that with a mass um you generally want creatures to die and after or after they enter the battlefield they're not relevant anymore and it's really just putting all of that power into one creature and that's not ideal for any strategy um a single removal spell will set you back to square one and that is just not a good idea and limited all right here we go i'm gonna start off and i'm gonna say i'm <laughs> it a mass i've stated earlier can be good in small amounts you're never gonna want to use it to be you're not going to want to use it to be that big creature, that huge, massive creature. And if it ends up happening that way in a deck that you're like, oh, they can't get around this or they can't destroy it, that's fine. But you're going to be wanting to use it for the synergies it's going to have with black and the sacrifice creatures you can do as well. Especially if you get things, um, if you get like const, uh, if you get the creatures that enter the battlefield and then amass, such as the Demir, Demir creature. There, there are a lot of ways a mass can be very well good as well um proliferate makes a mass better um but we're going to get to proliferate in a second um as a standalone a mask is pretty all right and i think it's it's one of those abilities that is is nice to see especially um as a way to tone down a previous effect of cards i guess got a open argument sure Take us away. All right. So the big problem with your argument is that most mechanics want to be built around in limited. Energy required a build around, and it was one of the most dominant archetypes that we've seen in limited in a very long time. Same with Delirium. If you could get a good Delirium deck back in Eldritch Moon, Moon Shadow of Innistrad, you're talking about a really good deck. Now, I do think R&D is kind of dialing this back. Um, surveil, for example, was a great mechanic that didn't require you to pour all of your, your things into it. But that being said, surveil is something that affects the player, doesn't affect the board state. So mechanics that affect the board state, you really want like them to you really want them to be able to be spread out and affect multiple creatures. And a mass just doesn't do that. It's I mean, just, it's so fragile because say you get your guy up to four. I can heart fire in response to your next, and a common removal spell can deal with your problem from there. Something this just... really reminds me of is a mass specifically is that it reminds me of a, well, I guess a mass specific, we're talking about a mass, what am I talking about? Um, kind of goblins almost where you enter the battlefield and it creates another creature. That's what I'm talking about. How mass can, a mass can be good. You get the widespread and you swing in. You don't care if the creature dies or not. You create more later. I don't think but it's something about, that can necessarily that you necessarily want to build around, but it's something that's really it, that can be really good to include in the decks. The thing about most goblin cards is that you get to you aren't putting one creature. You're not dealing with one token. You're dealing with a ton of tokens, and all of a sudden, if you don't have a board wipe, it's a problem. If I can deal with one token repeatedly, then I'm totally fine. It's just I, a matter of a mass is just not. Uh, good because you can't spread it out 
I think there are ways to build around it, but I definitely don't think that it's some it's a good mechanic overall. You're gonna have to have to have some system removal. Is all I'm gonna say. Okay, I'm excited for this next one though. I'm not. Okay, ready? Uh, give uh, me next one. If you hadn't guessed, is proliferate. All right. So there we go. I'm ready now. I'm ready now. Three, two, one. Yeah. Okay, proliferate is, I think, by far amazing. Um. It has so many different uses, especially in a set and limited where we have planeswalkers, we have one one counters, we have a mass. It has so much versatility, and it's in enough colors that it can use that versatility very, very well. Um, a mass, it adds another uh, counter onto that token. It makes it bigger. Um, even if it does get removed, you you can keep proliferate. There's so many cards that proliferate that it's insane uh, how easy it's going to be to proliferate onto things. Loyalty counters on planeswalkers move up um, when you proliferate. There are a bunch of creatures that, that use 1-1 counters and then you proliferate and, oh, hey, look, they have another 1-1 counter. It's, it, it does it to everything, which I think is the main reason that it's so good. It does, it not, it's not like, oh, target creature gets another counter of what it has. It does it to everything that, it ha that has a counter on it. And it includes your masters, it includes everything else as well. And it's, it's, I feel like it's um, an amazing ability to have. All right. Well, here we go. I do not think proliferate is as good as people say it is. I'm not going to go out and say it's outright bad, but I am going to go ahead and say I think a lot of the uncommon walkers are overrated. There aren't a ton that I would first pick. Um, and I think the just because of the minus abilities, all of a sudden with proliferate, you can go ahead and activate them a third time, but they're not the type of abilities that I would want to activate, like, they're not game-changing enough for me to really care about activating them a third time. Um, I do think that it makes a mass better, but as you know, I don't think a mass is any good, to be honest with you. Um, I think Proliferate is its being looked at in far too kindly a light. I think people are definitely going back to the last time it was printed back in Mirrodin, or uh, New Phyrexia block, which... Yes, it was good, but it was really good because you could partner it with poison counters and just make the clock on your opponents that much faster. All right. Ready? Hold up. Let me Three, pull my timer. There we go. I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So I think the big problem with proliferate is just that people are kind of viewing it in a romantic light and that they're looking at a lot of the planeswalkers is you know, being better than they are. I'm not even viewing it for the Planeswalkers in a 90% of the time thing. It's so much synergistic with so many different cards in the set. Um, and I, when we're talking in about a limited format, uh, and we're talking about in draft, for example, when you're picking up a card and you, you're picking cards, you can pull into proliferate pretty easily in most colors. We talked about earlier how we think it's going to be a three-color set um, as far as limited is concerned. And I, I mean, I think it's going to be that way in standard as well. But... Proliferate just has so many uses and fits in, like, basically any three-color deck. Um, it's in red, it's in white, it's in green, um, it's in blue. Actually, is it in red? I don't know if it's in red. But it's in white, blue, green. Um, there are very few options where you're not going to be playing, uh, uh, where you can't play a Proliferate card. And I agree that you're going to be playing it a lot, but I don't think it's as good as people think it is. I think um, it's definitely, it's the better of the two. I will not argue with you on that. It, proliferate is way better than a mask. But in terms of where it should be in a limited environment, not 
like you mentioned, it's spread out. The plus one plus one counters are also spread out. Everything is spread out when it comes to proliferate. You're not going to get that, that really good, you know, synergy in a green white deck. Uh, you're going to want to go into that third color that's going to make you less consistent. I just feel like it's going to get it's overrated right now. I feel like it just because of the uncommon planeswalkers not having a plus ability or because it gives your rares, it makes them get to their ultimate or whatever faster. I just don't think it's as good. And frankly, I'm not super excited about most of the plus one, plus one counters in this format. I'm excited because you can proliferate multiple times in one turn and it, it actually probably is a lot stronger if you do that. That was a very inserted thing that I didn't mean to put in, but I completely forgot about before. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Um... So now Lucas and I are going to go on to... I don't have to be a negative Nancy anymore. Now, for one argument, I get to be positive Will. I get to talk about a card that I think... You're wrong, but are. you're positive Will. Huh? You're wrong, but you're positive Will. All right, continue. Um, I get to talk about how one of these cards is way better. And frankly, I think both of these cards are underrated. But I do think mine is far more underrated. So... Here we go. Three, two, one. Now, while I am not super excited for the new Planeswalkers, um, something that's consistent with all of them is they do have a high mana cost, as do most of the cards that I'm super excited for and I think are going to decide games in this format since it's going to be slow, as I've stated. Leyline Prowler. It is the it casts for Golgarian 1, so that's black-green 1. Um, it has Death Touch and Lifelink. It's a 2-3, but it can also tap and add mana... Uh, to your mana pool, any color you want. Now, I think this is both going to make your deck more consistent because we've mentioned that we want to play three color decks, but it's also going to go ahead and ramp you to a creature much faster. Um, it you follow you can follow this card up with a five drop on turn four, which is a huge deal unlimited. Any sort of mana acceleration is really good. We've seen it with Land of War Elves. We've seen it with Druid of the Cal. And it's in a color that has a lot of bombs that are going to be get really that are going to be really good on like a turn four or a turn five. All right, my turn. So hey, I'm talking about Ugin's Conjurant, and Ugin's Conjurant is an X mana card. It's a zero zero, but it enters the battlefield with X counters on it, which X is however much you pay. And whenever it's dealt damage, you, you remove that many one one counters instead of it dying. Or I guess you prevent the damage and remove it. It gets around Death Touch. It gets around a lot of other effects that you... Uh, doesn't get around Death Touch. It gets around Death Touch because it prevents the damage and it just removes the counters. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it gets around Lane Lane Prowler first off. Big thing if we're putting these two cards in a vacuum. But um, it, it works with a lot of the different cards in the set. Going back to Proliferate, Proliferate is an amazing uh, thing to have with Ugin's Conjurant. You can rebuild back up. Uh, there are cards that put 1-1 counters back onto things. And you can just make Ugin's Conjurant so big late game. And if Will's going to argue lo low place, this is the card to play slow pace. And I have five seconds left, but I'm going to surrender those seconds because I have no need for them. Oof. Okay. All right. Now, we're going to get two minutes to go ahead and just, you know, debate. Now, I'm going to go ahead and open this up. Um, yes, I do think this is going to be a slow format. This is a creature that your Ugin's Conjurant is a creature that you're going to pour a lot of mana into. But you know what the problem with it is? 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. 
one one. That's how I'm blocking this thing. Maybe throw a two two in front of it every now and then. Sure, you're preventing its damage, but also I'm not taking any of it. it doesn't have any evasion. Doesn't have trample. I'm not super worried about Nugent's conjuring. You know, I'm worried about it on an open board. Where are you getting these one ones? It. Huh? Where are you getting these one well, ones? It still see, deals damage. This called, there's this thing called your draw step, and you get to draw a card every turn. And presumably, if you're casting this for I don't know six mana, I have six turns to play plenty of things. Um, one for six, dies. great deal. Pointing that out real quick. If you're taking six creatures to end up to killing this thing, removal. It dies to most of the black removal. It dies to Kaya. And yeah, with how with a mass, I most things die to Kaya. Pointing that out real quick. Everything um, dies to Kaya. Not <laughs> Every everything. Creature dies to Kaya. It's not as hard to remove as you think it is. Gods don't. It's, huh? Gods don't. Undergrowth champion was a card with the exact same effect. No, it wasn't. That Undergrowth champion was far superior. Removed. Huh? Undergrowth champion was far superior because you only had to remove one, one counter. Anyways, um, if we're going back to a removal and what is it's going to remove it, it's Leyland Prowler gets removed by the same stuff that Ugin's Conjurant does, and Ugin's Conjurant yeah, is going to win the Prowler battle. Isn't, if, your opponent, if my opponent wastes a removal spell on, a, on something that I'm casting for three mana, where I'm happy, where, as opposed to... There's enough two mana removal spells that I can see five, it being six, justified. Um, I talked about it earlier in Demir. There's the Demir card that's going to get rid of it because it has uh, converted mana cost three or less. Um, there's so many removal spells in red, especially that also do enough damage with it. Whereas damage is prevented from the Conjurant. <clears throat> okay, um, now we're going to overrated cards. Lucas, this is the one time we're going to bring up a rare, but because I agree with you, I'm going to let you do it. So, you got one minute. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to pull up my timer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. My Three. card that I'm bringing up that is very uh, overrated, in my opinion, is going to be Dreadhorde Invasion. Everyone's calling it Better Blossom. It's not Better Blossom. Better Blossom is strictly better, um, and it's because of a mass. And I know I argued for a mass earlier, but, you know, we had to pick sides in this, um, and I lost the coin flip. But a mass is not better is not going to have the same bitter blossom effect you're putting all this life into the one creature that is keep getting going to keep getting destroyed keep getting destroyed keep getting destroyed especially in a limited format um it's not going to stick whenever a zombie token you can trigger with power six or greater attacks against lifelink sure but you have to get that creature to six or greater before that there's not many zombies in this set that are going to get to six or greater um two mana is nice uh for the enchantment but there's so many other things you're going to want to play at two mana especially in limited that it's not going to be um, a good card to play. You're gonna be waiting another turn to even create the creature, whereas they can come in at you with another creature and keep draining you out um, with other things. That's now that's on going to your worst card. Um, so my worst card in this not worst card. Let's let's point this out. Not worst card. Over most overrated cards. My most my most overrated card in this format is Liliana's Triumph. Um, Liliana's Triumph is one black and one. Um, each opponent sacrifices a creature. If you control a Liliana Planeswalker, each opponent discards a card in addition to this. The problem with Liliana's Triumph in a limited environment is that most decks are going to play a lot of creatures. Now, I know that's a shocker to most people. In limited, you want to play creatures. They're what's going to end up deciding you the game. As I've said, most of these Planeswalkers aren't super game winning so you're going to want to jam a lot of creatures into a deck um so 
in standard, you might read this as against a control player, I'm making them destroy a, I'm making them sack a creature with hexproof. That is a huge deal, namely Carnage Tyrant. In limited, I'm reading this as my opponent's going to get rid of their one drop that they on turn four, and it's not going to have a super huge impact in the game. So, I don't think it's a great card. Um, I think it's going to see a lot of play in other formats, but in limited, I'm not excited to first pick it. All right, this is going to be an interesting two minutes because I don't think either of us disagree. But yep, I completely we'll agree. I second. think Red Horde Invasion is pretty bad, but also I'm starting the time, I don't by the think way. I've started my time. Oh, okay, as well. cool. Um, I think Dread Horde Invasion is eh. Um, it's definitely like you know my opinion on a mass. We all know your opinion on a mass, really. But um, Dread Horde Invasion is just not as good as it's not going to be seen as much as Liliana's Triumph. Is I guess where I'm going with this. Um, being a rare, you're not going to see it a ton. Yeah. I'm certainly not yeah. excited to see it as my rare. But I'm going to see Liliana's Triumph probably passed a lot, and you could if. You pick three of them. I definitely don't think it's you know a happy day for you. I don't think. No, no, um, I agree. You get the chance to see three Dreadhorde invasions, and if you do, then go ahead and rip you. Um, I definitely think that Dreadhorde invasion gets better though as you get more of them, and I think Liliana's Triumph um, is it just it's eh, no matter how many of them you have. I'm almost um, willing to concede this argument because. Both of these cards are way overrated. Liliana's Triumph, there's just so many better options. Spark Harvest. In Limited. In, in limited. limited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Limited. Spark, I mean, technically outside of Limited as well, there's so many better options. But um, Spark Harvest. Um, as an uh, destroy target creature. They don't get to sacrifice their 1 1. You choose with the creature. I and mean, of course, they've had sex, but what are you going to do? But um, yeah. they don't get to um, choose. The big thing is Dreadhorde Invasion is a very controversial card right now. Could see a lot of play in. Standard, I don't think formats outside of that. Liliana's Triumph could see play. Probably is going to see a lot of play in Modern. Probably will replace Diabolic Edict, a format staple in Legacy. Um, and, you know, it, as you go further back, it's going to get better and better. But we don't think either of them are going to be super good in... Uh, in, in this limited in time, and there's, there's just no way. I don't I don't see myself picking up a Liliana's Triumph as my removal. There's just so many better options, especially in Black. Either of these cards should be your pack one, pick one. Um, and I don't think anyone's going to argue that they should. Well, maybe Dreadhorde Invasion. But, but again, controversy. Actually, it could be argued that both of them will be. All right. So now we're getting to a... Something we've been discussing the entire time. Yes. Uh, so a big part of a format is how slow, how fast it is. It decides a lot of the things about the format. So um, we're going to go ahead and open it up, uh, the pace of the format, and I'll go ahead and get us started. I've been saying this the whole time. I think it's going to be a slow format. I think um, the fact of the matter is there are a lot of Planeswalkers, a lot of very balmy cards that you're going to want to cast. And that has led to a lot of my decisions as to what some of the good cards will be. But I, th I think you're really going to thrive in slow decks. Um, most players will. The big thing for, that I've been saying here is small creatures are good. I really think small creatures and, you know, fast decks thrive in slow formats. It's a reason that I think some cards are going to be underrated. Um, but I think this format as a whole, you're going to see six out of eight drafters at a table end up with in control, in control strategies that are going to generally lose to the faster-paced strategies. But you're going to, most players are going to end up being in control strategies just because 
of how big some of these cards are, how bomby some of them are, and the amount of Planeswalkers in the set. All right. I got to find my words for this one real quick. Let me drink some water. It's a Proud water. sponsor of Caffeine Overdose, H2O. H2O, yeah. Actually, it'd probably be some sort of caffeine brand. We're going to get that sponsorship eventually. I will find it. Um, All right. Three, two, two one. one. Okay. Limited is almost always a pretty fast format. You have the four to five minute clock on every Friday Night Magic. Um you have these, all these two drops, these one drops, these commons and uncommons that are getting played because they're what you pick, they're what you get in limited uh, in draft, and so uh, it's it's a very it's a faster format with um, with less options, and that's what causes it to be so fast. I agree that there are a lot of higher mana cost good cards in this set, but a lot of them are rares. There are a couple uh, commons and uncommons that are pretty high up there, but for the most part, you're seeing three drops and belows. Um, when it comes to commons and uncommons, these cards are going to get in there fast. They're going to hit hard, and it's just going to be—it's going to be a format that's not going to want to take a step back and wait a second, um, save for maybe maybe Orzov, who wants to wait a little bit longer. But that's that's all I can think of. Uh, Golgari or Boros Agro uh, Boros, uh, f all the other guilds. That's the, I forgot their names for a second. So, three, two, one. Look, yes, there are a lot of one, two, three mana spells in this uh, in this set. That's true of all sets. How many of them really impact the board state, though? A lot. Um, Judith. Judith was one of the biggest, like, Judith, for example, is kind of your baseline for a three mana card that's really going to impact the board, board state. Um, it can be a little worse. It can be a little better. But that's where you're really going to be looking, like, those types of cards i don't see a ton of two and three mana cards that i'm super excited to like to really push in with um i think first of all i think we're coming out of a very slow limited format i think um and it didn't run nearly as many uh big cards i think the best card i think you and i both agree in rna limited is ill-gotten inheritance and that's a card that One really of. thrives on Hmm. The card that really thrives on being, you know, in a slow format. So I think we're going to come out of a, this out of RNA with a slow format mentality, and I think that that's going to lead into War of the Spark. And I also think War of the Spark doesn't really encourage you to be fast. Kaladesh was just, probably the fastest draft format that I remember recently. I just see so many cards that want to get in there and swing almost every turn. They're not going to want to hold back because they're not blocking there's spells that are attacking and helping you with the attacks more than there are the, the defense there are a couple of course with every set there's gonna be cards that help the defense as well as the offense but there's just so much uh playability around where you can uh take creatures off the battlefield single combat but for every spell every like salt, small creature there's a removal spell and you know most of your planeswalkers will deal with it you've brought up teo i think teo is a fine card i think you know his minus ability is going to slow it definitely it does slow down you want to slow down the format and i think you know a lot of the planeswalkers which are going to be a staple of this set there are 36 of them really want a slower format there is not one that i think wants it faster <clears throat> a mess <clears throat> sorry um anyways moving right. on so our final argument of the day um oh good i get to start this one off you do oh, wait this now, is, I get this to go is wait and this? i get to go back oh. to being negative Nan nancy so <laughs> Huh? That right. Um, 
Yeah, so we're going to be okay, arguing cool, about cool. Um, <clears throat> whether or not we're happy with the new Planeswalker design, the uncommon specifically Planeswalker design. So, uh, Lucas, you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah, okay. So as far as limited, I want to I be very clear. I'm talking about limited here, and limited is going to love this. The static abilities on Planeswalkers um, is going to ma make it so much more interesting and more, much more fun. It's going to provide so many more playabilities around um, every deck and every game you play that I think that the design and the amount of Planeswalkers we're seeing is a great thing. Um, the static abilities, all of them have fun and interesting things. The minus twos, especially on the uncommons, most of them only have minus abilities. And while that is kind of sucky, you also have the things like proliferate and other things to add counters to. There are other, other cards that add loyalty counters to Planeswalkers. And I think that's very awesome and very um, a great way to approach Planeswalkers in a limited setting. I'm a, I'm a bit... I'm a, I'm seeing the amount of Planeswalkers, and at first I was very skeptical of the amount and how, how it's going to play into Limited, but the way that they did it with the static abilities, I think it's going to be an amazing thing. Most of them are low enough drops that it's not going to be a big deal. Right. Um, well, I kind of disagree with you. Um, I think that a big part of Magic is the choice. Um, you have to be able to make choices, and that's what makes Magic so fun. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what we're arguing here is, is this going to be... A fun piece this is probably the one argument where we're arguing over what's more fun and what's not um and i think that just the fact that you're only given one choice is a huge disappointment um one of the big reasons i like playing control is because there are so many different uh decision trees that you can go down and it's just Yes, you can decide, like, oh, I don't want to put my Planeswalker down to one loyalty with all of my opponent's uh, creatures out there. But at that point, like, that's not a super great decision. Like, that's not a decision that I'm looking forward to making. I want to make a decision of, you know, which is going to help me win the game faster. <sighs> okay. Two minutes on the clock for the final final argument of today. Um... Three, two, one, go. Oh my god, you cheated. Um, so, I think that the fact that they only have the minus ability is fine. I think that it doesn't limit your options. You said it yourself. You don't have to minus the ability. The static ability also makes it so minusing isn't your only option, or isn't the only reason you play the Planeswalker. The static ability makes it so you can play a Planeswalker and have no intention of minusing. Uh, Kazmina, you, your spells and uh, opponent cast cost two more to cast. Um, the target creature or Planeswalker you control cost two more to cast. You create a 2-2 wizard when you minus and you draw a card and then discard a card. Okay, that's actually not that bad of a one. I probably could have picked a better example. But you don't have to minus two her if you're at uh, three loyalty. If you're at five loyalty, which she starts at, you can go ahead and leave her there, and they have to pay two more for any removal of other targets, or, or they have, or there are other planeswalkers that have similar effects. Or uh, yeah, and the the static abilities are good enough on their own. The big thing about planeswalkers has always been though that they can affect the board state and at this point like at the point where you're just using them for their statics they might as well be a enchantment and like the it's i'll give you this i like these more than i like like an enchantment that ha gives all my creatures plus one plus one um but i don't think that i don't i just don't like that that's basically what i'm left with is like oh yeah it's better than a uh than a dread of night or you know something of that nature it's they're 
mostly good cards. I'm looking forward to seeing how they play out, but I'm really just... If my decision is I can go ahead and give a creature plus two plus one until end of turn, or I can, you know... If that's the only thing that I'm left making decisions about, I'm not super excited. I mean, hey, Planeswalkers, just because you don't have to doesn't mean you can't. You can always minus the abilities, which I think gives them the flexibility and the more fun options. Um, I definitely am a little mad that they're at Uncommon, going to be honest, because now... You know, you used when we were all starting out. You got that. You got that look in your eye when you're like, "Oh, I opened a flameswalker." Now you're looking at it like, eh. yeah. People who join more of the spark are gonna be a bit confused when people open older packs and they're like, "Oh my god, a planeswalker!" And then they're gonna be like, "Hey, I have 36 of those." Yeah, it's a, it's um, can be a bit disappointing for sure. Yeah, I, I think one of my from. favorite memories as like a beginning out as a starting Magic player is actually Lucas and I did a two at a giant. Uh, pre-release and i think you opened four planeswalkers it was in shadows of innerstrad and we opened the jace the soren the arlen right yeah As yeah well. i think we, we opened so... we opened two of arlen yeah we opened two arlens a soren and a uh jace and basically i just played mono blue with jay or blue black with jace and lucas took the other three colors and just did a ton of fun stuff and i think that's like that's what the big thing about planeswalkers is um, new players freak out when they like see a planeswalker just because they used to be so powerful and you know they've kind of died down and War of the Sparks is just going to bring them down. So I'm not going to lie, a little unhappy about that. But I definitely am it looking forward to War of the Spark Limited. It seems like it's going to be fun, huh? I said it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I'm. I I really am looking forward to this new set. Um, if you're looking to play in a War of the Spark pre-release. You can head on down to your local gaming store and uh, go ahead and ask them about their pre-release event. Um, sealed deck this weekend, and uh, I know Lucas is going to his. I'm going to have to skip out on mine, um, but it's really fun. It's an experience that is definitely worth having, in my opinion. For sure. Um, I think all limited experiences are worth having at least once. If you don't like draft, do it at least once for every set, I'd say. And it's the only way... Limited is how Lucas and I both started out playing Magic, um, was drafting every Friday night at our local gaming store. And, uh, you know, we, we've we gotten to a point where we're not limited players anymore, but I'm certainly grateful um, that I, am. I started out with Limited because it teaches you a lot of the skills that you need to learn. So if you have the choice between playing Limited and playing Constructed and you're just starting out, you don't know which one you prefer, I'd definitely say if... Money isn't an option. Isn't a uh, problem. Start out with limited. You'll learn a lot more, a lot faster. Or for that matter, if money is is a, a factor in it, limited is also a great choice because you don't have to buy the decks. Um, you can do. But it adds up very quickly. It does add up very quickly. But if you're just going for a couple times, just try out, see if you how you like Magic and the way it plays. Great way to start out, and great way to get your friends involved and have fun with your friends when you go on a Friday night. Um, Speaking of friends, Lucas, have you heard of this funny thing called Caffeine Overdose? Really? What's Caffeine Overdose? Alright, Caffeine Overdose is a collection of six Magic players that include myself and Lucas. Um, if you're on this channel and you're listening to us, I'm surprised you haven't heard about it. Caffeine Overdose <laughs> is Lucas and I, four of our friends, and we just talk about, we do podcasts um, weekly, talk about 
you know, a variety of different <laughs> things, really. A variety of different formats. Yeah, we haven't been great about that weekly part of it. Um, we'll get there. But I definitely say, if you're listening to us and you enjoyed what you heard today, go ahead and hit subscribe. Um, you can hear me and Lucas talk about Standard as well on Standard Sit Down every Saturday. If you're looking to just hear more of my gold and velvety voice, go ahead and, and listen to Metagame Mondays with myself, Rodrigo Gallego, Os Moleno, and Bannon Weaver. And uh, be sure to pop back in for some Time Limit Limited. I definitely am looking forward to this uh, this series. And Lucas, where can our viewers find you? You can find me here on Tuesdays at Time Limited Limited. Time Limit Limited. On Saturdays, that's Saturday, uh, Standard Sit Down. And eventually, uh, once I move out, at least, um, and probably once... Josh and I, who is going to be co-hosting this event with me, on Wednesdays you can find us at Wacky WinCon Wednesday. We're basically going to be doing a bunch of Wacky WinCons. Uh, we have a bunch planned out. It's going to be spanning a bunch of different formats, uh, Legacy, Modern, Standard, and we'll see where it goes from there. But um, If you don't want to listen to Lucas and I, first of all, I'm very sorry. Um, and that must suck. Um, you can go ahead and listen to... Or if you're just a fan of Popper, to be honest with you, you can listen to Popper Thoughts on Thursdays with um, Rodrigo Gallegos Moleno and Jake Westwood. And if you want to just stay informed about the Magic community, I'd recommend listening to Wizards This Week every Sunday with Josh, Bannon, and Jake. Um, we're hoping to get all of these off the ground very shortly, just a matter of some logistics in terms of finding uh, mics for everybody. As well as time. And and time. Um, and eventually, we hope to that you'll tune into Friday Not Magic, which is just a conversation between all of us where we don't bring up magic even once. All right. And again, if you do like and you have enjoyed listening to us and you learned something or, you know, you just feel like you want to be supportive, please leave a comment down below with any suggestions, tips, or, how you f or arguments in this case about any of today's topics, as well as leave a like and subscribe. Or follow us on Spotify and Himalaya. Uh, all links will be in descriptions leading to everything else except for Spotify. I don't think we can post links there. But through Himalaya, you can find the Spotify and the YouTube. Through YouTube, you can find the Spotify and the Himalaya. Alrighty. Well, with that, um, I'm Will Hopkins. I'm signing off. Lucas? I'm Lucas signing off. And then, as always, your support is greatly appreciated, everyone. And, yeah. So without further ado, we'll see you next week.